Christina and Deborah, and I do feel so unworthy of those kind of words. I am just a sinner, saved by grace. I'm struggling. Um, not arrived, not any, I crossed that off. I had that somewhere that, you know, not arrived. I can't teach you anything new than the Word of God already has. But um, God has been so good. And one of the reasons that I guess I'm so passionate about sharing Christ and living for Christ is because I lived a wasted life. Dave and I both did before we got our lives right. That's coming up tonight. And Brian won't be, Pastor Brian won't be surprised that I jumped the gun. But just so you know, I, I struggle, you know, I see my heart, you don't see my heart. You know, and I think we're all like that, aren't we? We want to serve God. We want to do right. But um, one day when Dave reached heaven, I thought, no sin nature for him. How glorious he must feel. That's one of the most wonderful things. I can't wait to get to heaven. Um, I'm, I'm then have my sin nature going because it's a struggle. It's a fight. Paul talked about that. We know that. But now before I go extra long, I better get back to what I timed because I'm bad, very bad about going on and on and on and on and on. So first of all, I'm so very thankful to have this opportunity. Thank you ladies for asking me to come and to be with you. It's one of the favorite things I love to do. Of all the things I miss from Canada, I miss everything. Our church family, we have the best I but I am so happy where God placed me. God has been so good. And I will say that over and over again. And I'm not just saying that. God has been so good and placed me in a loving church. I told Brian when I left last Wednesday night, I my heart, I I hugged the pastor's wife and another lady. I said, I'm sorry, because they were talking. I'm bad. I said, I'm so sorry to interrupt you, but I just wanted to tell you how much I'm going to miss you guys. I just really won't. And that's God. So good. A church is such a huge part of your life as a Christian. And God's just been so good to me. But I'm thankful that you've set this time aside. This is a good group. Thank you all for coming and making it a priority. And yeah, I have down here. I'm just a learner like you. I'm just a learner. And... I love God's word. It's so full, you never get to the end of it. So many applications. So just learning, continually learning. And I also pray that God might challenge your heart in some areas. I won't teach you anything new. I have nothing new to tell you other than to share God's word and and try to challenge you. Yes, we need to be challenged. Not, oh, you're doing great. Just sit back and keep doing what you're doing. No. We're always supposed to grow. We're always supposed to reach out. There's a whole world out there that's dying and on their way to hell. And most of the people you meet do not know how to get to heaven. They think they're okay or they're not interested. But I'm so, I just pray that you will have an open heart. You'll ask the Lord, Lord, challenge me in some of these areas that I need to grow. We only have one life, and something that really hit home is none of us knows when that day is. Dave and I had so many plans.
you know, to come back and spend time with our kids and grandkids and to make up a little bit for all the time we missed. But Proverbs, I was reading in Proverbs, and Proverbs, and Lisa was reading Proverbs to me too today, chapter four. And it just, just when she read that chapter, it's just such a great, Proverbs is so good. If you need wisdom, read Proverbs. Read a chapter every day, and we'll get to that. So many things that were mentioned. I love the songs. I love the songs, and um, we're going to get to a lot of those on witnessing. Pastor Brian had asked me that when he asked me to come teach, that if I would speak on that. And I will challenge your hearts, I promise you that, because there is a world out there that needs, needs Christ. And Christina said something. It's boldness we need, and God can give us that. Talk about that a little, a little bit too. But we only Proverbs sixteen nine. A man, a man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. And that was a verse that I was reading through Proverbs, and I thought, Oh yes, God, we devised our way. We thought our plans were good. They were good plans, but God took our plans and made them His perfect plans. And we can never be afraid to pray for God's perfect will. It may not be what you want may happen, but God, the Creator, sees the end from the beginning. And he's, it's just so good. And being an overcomer is a great topic. We need to be striving for victory in our Christian lives. And we know that it cannot be by our own strength. It has to be by God's strength. If we do things or get puffed up and think, man, I'm really good at this, God hates pride. God hates pride. He will not, he will not use someone with a proud heart. So we need to have a humble heart knowing that anything, and God does give different people. He does use different people. That's not wrong to know your gifts and to work in those areas. But it all comes from God. Anything that is accomplished by any of us is because of God. It's the gifts that he's given us. So our Bible is such a help to us in knowing how to run this race of life. And we are going to talk about our race, being victorious through our Savior. An overcomer is a person who succeeds in gaining victory over a difficulty. I don't have to ask any of you, but I know you have difficulties in your life. I know you have trials. I know some of you have had difficult trials. You've had, you've experienced what I've experienced. You've experienced other trials that are very difficult. And the Greek word for overcome means to conquer, to come off victorious, to prevail. We need to be overcomers in our life. The word overcome implies a battle. And the Christian life has battles. Whose side are we going to be on? Are we going to be on Christ's side? Or are we going to be on self's side? Are we going to be on Satan's side? We have to live empowered by the Holy Spirit who lives within us to help us please God and become the overcomer that God wants us to. 1 John 1, 4, 4. And I'm going to do, do the verses today, but tomorrow I'm going to have them on a slip of paper and you can pick them. And then when I call them, I'll have, I'll have you guys take turns reading them. 
But today I thought it would speed it up with my with my testimony. First John 4 4. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Isn't that wonderful? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The Holy Spirit. Brian, Pastor Brian will remember this. I called one day, you'll think I'm loony. My family, my kids think I am, grandkids think I am loony sometimes. But I called Brian saying, Brian, the Holy Spirit has become such a friend to me. He's been my best friend. And the thing of going to heaven, and is the Holy Spirit, I mean, there in heaven, is he still going to be, you know, within me? And he said, well, it says forever. You know, he'll be in you forever. And it sounds nutty, but I do a lot of nutty things. But the Holy Spirit is such a friend to us to help us to overcome, to convict us. And we're to walk day by day with his leading us, guiding us. Christ has overcome. He is the victor, and that's the only reason why we can have victory. John 16, 33, one of my favorite verses. These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. And I am using the King James from the time I got involved in church. I used that, I memorized that. So I hope you can follow along with me. When Christ said he had overcome the world, he meant that he had defeated the enemy. He had defeated sin and death by his resurrection. So we can win because Christ has already conquered the world. Okay, We're the race. Whenever I start to hang my head in front of failure's face, my downward fall is broken by the memory of a race. A children's race, young boys, young men, how I remember well. Excitement, sure, but also fear, it wasn't hard to tell. They all lined up so full of hope, each thought to win that race. Or tie for first, or if not that, at least take second place. Their parents watched from off the side, each cheering for their son. And each boy hoped to show his folks that he would be the one. The whistle blew and off they flew like chariots of fire. To win, to be the hero there, was each young boy's desire. One boy in particular, whose dad was in the crowd, was running in the lead and thought, my dad will be so proud. But as he speeded down the field and crossed a shallow dip, the little boy who thought he'd win lost a step and slipped. Trying hard to catch himself, his arms flew every place. And amidst the laughter of the crowd, he fell flat on his face, humiliated. I'm sorry, as he fell, his hopes fell too. He couldn't win it now. Humiliated, he just wished to disappear somehow. But as he fell, his dad stood up and showed his anxious face, which to the boys so clearly said, get up and run that race. He quickly rose, no damage done, behind a bit, that's all. So, and, and ran with all his mind and might to make up for the fall. So anxious to restore himself, to catch up, and to win. 
His mind went faster than his legs. He slipped and fell again. He wished that he had quit before with only one disgrace. I'm hopeless as a runner now. I should have tried to race. But through the laughing crowd, he searched and found his father's face with a steady look that said again, get up and win that race. So he jumped up to try again, 10 yards behind the last. If I'm to gain those yards, he thought, I've got to run real fast. Exceeding everything he had, he regained eight then 10, but trying hard to catch the lead, he slipped and fell again. Defeat, he lay there silently, a tear dropped from his eye. There's no sense running anymore. Three strikes, I'm out, why try? I lost, so what's the use, he's thought. I'll live with my disgrace. But then he thought about his dad, whom soon he had the face. Get up, and echo sounded low. You haven't lost at all, for all you have to do to win is rise each time you fall. Get up, the echo urged him on. Get up and take your place. You were not meant for failure here. Get up and win that race. So up he rose to run once more, refusing to forfeit, and he resolved that win or lose, at least he wouldn't quit. So far behind the others now, the most he'd ever been, still he gave it all he had and ran like he could win. Three times he'd fallen stumbly, three times he rose again, too far behind to hope to win, he still ran to the end. They cheered another boy who crossed the line and won first place, head high and proud and happy. No falling, no disgrace. The crowd gaped, but when the fallen youngster crossed the line in last place, the crowd gave him a greater cheer for finishing the race. And even though he came in last with head bowed low, I'm proud. You would have thought he won the race to listen to the crowd. And to his dad, he sadly said, I didn't do so well. To me, Juan, his father said, you rose each time you fell. And now when things seem dark and bleak and difficult to face, the memory of that little boy helps me in my own race. For all of life is like that race with ups and downs and all, and all you have to do to win is rise each time you fall. And when depression and despair shout loudly in my face, another voice within me says, get up and win that race. I want to look at something tonight that's on my heart because it's something that we're each in, whether you realize it or not, and that is the race of life. Our race will not end until we reach heaven, win the rapture, or we take our last breath on earth. Hebrews 12, 1 to 3. I'm just going to repeat it again. Christina read it. Thank you, Christina. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience, endurance, the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction, hostility, opposition of sinners against himself, lest you be weary and faint in your minds. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, 
you too have a race to run. I'm going to share our testimony. Each of our races are unique and different. One is not more important than another. You may think, I don't, God can't really use me. I don't have much influence. What do I mean to people? You are every bit as important as the preacher that's up there preaching to a crowd of hundreds, thousands. Because God loves you. He made you. He made you your nature, your character. We could all wish we were something other than what we were. But God made us exactly who he wanted us to be. And we're both important. I want to share quickly our salvation experiences. I'll start with my sweetheart. Dave was three years old when he had a trial, a terrible trial. It was a blessing. Come into his life. He was hit by a car. His dad actually heard the car squealing and looked and thought it was a dog flying in the air, and it was his son. And he was in the hospital about six months old, broken back, and all kinds of problems that he lived with. If you've ever saw my husband, the older he got, the more pain he had, trouble walking, but no cane, no nothing. He was a tough guy, never complained. Anyone that knew him would tell you the same thing. We could look at that and say, how terrible. Why did God allow that? Do you know what happened through that? There was a pastor in that town, Southerton, Pennsylvania, who read the story in the newspaper and came to visit Davy and his parents in the hospital. And he was able to lead both of them to the Lord. So you call that a disaster? I call, Dave would not have changed that for anything. He then grew up in a Christian home. Wasn't without his struggle, the struggles like a lot of people. But six years old, he went to a vacation Bible school and saved, trusted Christ through John 3.16. That's not surprising, right? John 3.16, there you are, the gospel. And as a young lad, he accepted that and believed that and became a Christian. At nine years old, they attended a missionary conference and it was preached and anyone who wanted to volunteer their life to be a missionary was invited to come up front. Well, Dave went up front and if you can use me as a missionary, he was willing to do that. Goes to many years forward when God took him up on that offer. But he, the thing that amazed me is this nine-year-old went across the street after that missionary conference with his Bible and tried to witness to an older man living across the street. God just burdened his heart. So I think that's fantastic. You know, when you see kids really being burdened for others. I was 13 years old when I trusted Christ as my Savior. I was at a Christian camp. I was brought up in church. Um, it was a Mennonite church. Um, I was a pretty rotten kid, spoiled brat, but I went to this camp and sat around the campfire service. The preacher preached about sin, how Christ died on the cross for the sins of the world, and how he loved us and how he rose again. And those that didn't accept Christ as their Savior were going to end up in hell. Well, I was 13 years old. I heard 
the Bible preached, I would have heard them at Easter talk about the resurrection service, but it never was made personal. And that was the first time in my life that I realized I was a sinner on my way to hell. You would, you, I can hardly believe that. I can hardly believe that because I was a pretty rotten kid. I don't know why I thought I was so good and not a sinner. Maybe I thought sin was murder. I don't know. But I left the campfire service crying and a counselor came after me and I told her that I realized I was a sinner on my way to hell, but I didn't know what to do about it. And she talked to me and said, Christ wants to be your Savior. You need to ask Him to forgive your sins and then to come into your life and to be your Savior. And He will give you eternal life. And I did that. And I, I was saved. I know I was saved. Not a good ending. I didn't grow. Um, I continued in my ways. And Dave and I, Dave is my brother's friend, and he got out of the service when in 1970, and he dated me once before when I was 16, thought I was too young, so now I had gotten a little bit older, and so we started dating. We both just wanted to get married and have kids. Maybe some of you were like that. We didn't. My, my dad made me go to college for a year, but so... That, that I quit college and so we got we started dating in March again seriously and then in June 10th we got engaged in October 17th we got married and we were happy you know we loved each other we had a good time but we both were carnal um, worldly Christians Dave had gotten out of church his parents got divorced like many people and so we looked for a church to get married in, found a church to get married, and then afterward we continued going. Um, maybe most Sunday mornings, I can't hardly remember, but we'd walk out of church and say, that was really good. But we didn't do anything about it. When you leave church and God prompts your heart, do you mark that down or do you think about that or do you say, Lord, what do you want me to do? It's so easy to hear the Bible preached and say, good, but do nothing about it. We did nothing about it for a year and a half. And God decided these trials that God uses in our life, God decided that he was going to have this trial come into our life. And your pastor was the hero of our getting our lives right. I was carrying Brian, he was nine months old. He's so tired of hearing this. Deputation, every time I gave a testimony, Brian was, one time I said, I'm glad I threw him down the stairs. I was trying, I was being funny, but I don't think Brian, well, he doesn't care. But anyway, I was carrying him down the stairs, something happened, and my arms flew out, and Brian fell downstairs. I screamed, Dave came in and yelled, we ran to the doctors, he was totally fine. Well, we came home, we could have lost him, and, and all of our children were treasures to us. At that time, we only had one. Lisa was on her way, but wasn't here yet. And so we both talked about the next Sunday we were going to go forward and rededicate our lives. I mean, I don't, I don't feel like I could rededicate my life. I was saved, but I hadn't really dedicated it to God. But 
We went forward that Sunday. We were first out and talked to the assistant pastor. He took us in the room and we prayed and explained where we were. And we both gave God everything we had. And I can't tell you how many times I thank God that he worked in both my husband in my life at the very same time. I know it's difficult. Sometimes a husband is not saved. Sometimes a woman is a spiritual one, the husband not so spiritual, or vice versa. But we, together, we grew like weeds. We started to read the Bible. We started to pray. We started to be at all the services, listening, learning. And there were some couples in our church that took us under their wings and invited us to their home. We had kids. You know, we're having kids by that time. They had kids invite us over for a meal, and we just sit and talk about the Bible. You know, it just was wonderful. And we really grew through that. And then we started to say, we want to serve. So we took a junior church every Sunday morning during the church service, and we took the kids, and we taught them, and had a great time and then we started watching for couples new couples that would come in and started to do the same to them to try to disciple them invite them help them to grow and be what other people had been to us that is such a wonderful thing to do to look for couples or maybe if you miss people just to love them love them love god and love others that's just such a huge remedy to so many to so many things so Christy's, um, Christy, Lisa was born, they were eight, a year and a half apart, and then two and a half years later, Christy was born, and she was about a week and a half when she ended up with bacteri bacterial meningitis and was put in the hospital. She just, just little things, and I just didn't feel right. Went to the doctor, they put her in the hospital. And during that time, it was a very, very serious another trial. You say, Betsy, why does God send these trials? He sends them because they can change us. God uses trials to grow us, to get us to love him more. He doesn't use trials to drive us away from him. We have got the right response to know when we'll get to some of these other things. But God is always good. God is always good. What, regardless of what the trial is, God has a purpose. And Christy in the hospital, I would go up with her during the day. My husband would take me up, then he'd go to work. And the people in the church took our two kids and gave them great times. One of them had a big farm, and I'm sure they, maybe they don't either remember that. They were pretty little. But those times that I sat in the hospital with Christy, God was working on my heart. And it, I came to the decision that even if God took her life, I was still going to serve him. And you may think, oh, that's nice, Betsy. That was a huge, huge thing for me to say, God, I'm willing for you to take Christy's life. Did I want to? know? But even if he took her life, God just continued to grow us and to grow us. And then just the graciousness of God, serving in the church, um, loving ministry. We started, we didn't know how to knock on doors and witness to people, but my husband went with um, a man that was the visitation pastor, and he went, and then one of the ladies that knew couples that we had, you know, disciple, she and I both had an interest in, in witnessing. 
And we didn't know, so we went with the couple, and I won't go into that, but that was definitely not the way to go. Um, it was pray this little prayer and, you know, get me into heaven, and how many did you, it was a bad experience. And we both came out and saw each other and said, no, I don't know how to do it. I don't know exactly the best way, but that is not the way. So we just continued to, Dave did teaching, Sunday school teacher, our classes, he took some of the services, he was a deacon, and he felt called into Bible college. So we left Pennsylvania, three little kids, Christy was two, and then four and a half, and then probably six, something like that. And we moved out to Indianapolis, and Dave went to Indiana Baptist College, and we joined Suburban Baptist Church. So we were Hoosiers a little bit, I don't even know, they, I don't remember that name, but we went there, we enrolled our kids at the school, and Christy was younger, so I babysat to help. Dave went to college. Um, he had a marriage in the family. He had a marriage in the family class, and one of the things they did was a budget. We were $100 behind every month, which, think of the 1980s. Today, maybe that's not much. Then, $100 is a lot of money. Dave had two or three jobs. He was janitor. He was worked at Arby's, frying chips, and all kinds of different things just to pay the bills. Our bills were never unmet. Never did we have a bill that we couldn't pay. We learned the faithfulness of God, all different ways. Um, so God called him into missions, and he prayed about it. And really asked the Lord where he would go, and he went to Scotland. He wondered, is there a need in Scotland? He went, oh, yes, there's a need. He went for a week, stayed with the missionary family. And October 1984, there we were, all five of us, getting ready to board the people's jet at that time. And we landed in England. Dave got bought a car down there, drove up, left side of the road. He drove up to Scotland. And we loved it. We loved it. Um, we loved it from the very beginning. And um, our next door neighbor, our first house that we got, our next door neighbor was a lady called Linda and her sister Karen. Linda was married to Mike. They had four little boys. We had three little kids, and they were close to the same age, and they loved, they loved to play together. They did so much, so many fun things. They had great times. Linda used to take her Bible, she told me this, she used to take her grandmother's Bible, go out in the back garden and read it and couldn't understand it. She wanted to know that her kids could go to heaven. She knew she couldn't. She, be, she knew she had committed sins that there's no way she could go to heaven. And the first time I met her was in the front garden and she said, oh, your kids are our kids' ages, so they'll both go to the same school. And I said, well, no, we're homeschooling. We did that in the States and as well. And she said, oh, I could never do that. And I said, um, well, the Bible says tribulation, work of patience. And I will never forget Linda's eyes went and she said, it does. And I thought, ooh, I'm a happy camper. Because most people, when you talk about the Bible, you don't get a response like this, like they say nothing, right? You know, you try to talk to them and there's no answer. 
you know, and where, where do you go with that? Well, it was many, when she heard that a pastor was moving in, she knew God had sent us, him, for her and her family. And all of her children, except her husband, got saved. Karen got saved. Um, God was so gracious to us the first term in Scotland. It's a difficult field. Um, after that, we had ups and downs. It was slow blessings, slow blessings. The beginning was amazing. It was really, really wonderful for Scotland. And um, so, so thankful. We started Bible studies there after Linda got saved, men and women's that we had every week, I think forever, you know, in Scotland and then in Canada. And in, in 2002, we ended up at Canada. My husband just believed that God was calling him to another field and he felt God was calling him to Canada. And we ended up at Crossway Baptist Church. It was a, started by a missionary, but he left and they had a split. And the church was just ready to close up. They had property, which was a real blessing. And so we went there outside of um, Tecumseh. Canada, very, very international. Our area was mainly um, Eastern European. We had a lot of people. Um, Romania, we did have Syria, we had all kinds of people. We had South America in the church, and it was really quite exciting. But Canada, again, was slow blessings, slow blessings. But numbers is never the key. Numbers doesn't mean you have a blessed church. Lack of, it, it, it just, you know, God gives the increase. What we knew was we just had to be faithful. You just be faithful. God, I can't do, we can't do anything. God is the one that gives the increase and blesses. And then comes, not my favorite topic, but 2020. So I'll let you guess what came in Canada. And God used that time to grow our church, to bring a man to pastor the church. David looked, ever since we were there, looked for someone to come help and work with him. And um, he just, it wasn't God's timing for some reason. But we still loved serving. Still had people who loved the Lord, were glad to have the church would come. But during COVID, a lot of the churches were closed. We were allowed to have five people in the beginning. We had five people. And we also met Bible studies during that time, five people. And um, then it went to groups of 10, and it was 10 for a long time, and that was where God really gave the increase. A lot of churches had closed down, they weren't open, and our people invited other people, and people wanted to go to church, they wanted to be there, you know, and they came and they liked it, so they stayed. We had been praying for years for young families, for teenagers, for kids, for people, for God to grow the church. And that was the time that he did it. God brought people in. He brought, brought families with like six kids. We had a lot of people like that. Isn't that wonderful? I think the reason sometimes our church was so small was one person in family, one, 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 two, one, you know. But God blessed and God brought Jason. And Dave was working with him for the year before we left. And he was going to be taking the work. So God had everything in, he 
He had everything prepared. Um, we were planning to come back to be with our kids and grandkids again. We were getting ready for that. We put the house up for sale. Um, in January, we both ended up with COVID. And, um, sorry, yeah, brain freeze, right? We both ended up with COVID. And Dave had called probably from the beginning. And one night, um, Brian and Kevin both talked to him. And um, Brian said, your breathing doesn't feel, sound great, Dad. And he said, no, it's hard to breathe. So he got an oximeter. And it was, I think, in the 80s or something. Well, the next morning, he woke up at, with it Saturday. And I said, you're going to have to go in the hospital. So they took him in the hospital. I couldn't go, I mean, I couldn't go in to see him. But he was there for a while during that time, sold the house. God was very, very, God was very, very gracious with, Dave had found the power of attorney. I didn't even remember we had a power of attorney. While I was talking to the, to the lawyer on the phone, I opened this folder that David Reddy and had in the kitchen that I brought with me because I knew it was important. But I never looked too busy finishing up getting the house ready to sell. So, and in there was exactly what the lawyer was saying you need. So I was able to sell the house when Dave was in the hospital. We asked people to pray. I know some of you people prayed for that miracle that the doctor said we needed. But I always ended up after asking for that was God, I want your perfect will. And I had one lady tell me that she really got scared when she heard me say that. But how can we not want God's perfect will? Um, and be able. God is a good God. God doesn't do things that are difficult just to be mean. God is never mean. He is good all the time. He has perfect plans which we may not understand. But I was so happy for my husband. I was so happy that that he was home. Um, I knew the last couple of days his organs were shutting down, and we just knew that was the direction that it was. He wasn't going to be coming back from that. The doctor said that, and so David, Kevin, Brian had come up to be with me. You know that, and uh, we went in to see him, and that was such a wonderful time. I get up to say to him everything that I wanted to say to him. Rubbed his back, held his hand. Um, sang to him, prayed for him. I was on cloud nine. That may sound really weird to you, but um, it was a huge blessing. And I knew that my husband was going to be with the Lord. And we watched him go to heaven. And as soon as the breathing stopped, I said to Brian, okay, he's not there. Let's go. I mean, that sounds I'm weird. I'm weird. You know me, understand that, but he just wasn't there anymore. And we left. I think on our way home, we stopped. Well, we did talk to the nurses and doctors there. We had done video calls, they heard the gospel, they heard us talking. I know Dave had opportunity the first night he was there to talk to one of the doctors that was in the ICU with him. And um, so, Dave, even though he was on the ventilator for his breathing and couldn't talk, we there were different ones of us that talked in video, and the nurses were there, doctors. We talked to the doctors. They knew that they knew what we believed, 
And so we left a lot of tracks up there when we left for them because that was the only time I could go in to see them. And then we went to Timmy's. Tim Hortons, Dave went every morning on the way to church, get his dark roast, and so we stopped there. I think Brian said you would stop there now because we were going to do that. And I had a whole pile of bridge tracks and went in there, we went in there, and it was amazing. No one came in. Dude, I don't even think anyone came in the in the takeout line because we saw the people, they all came in. I said, do, do you know Dark Roast Dave? That was what he called himself, or he said they called him. And um, they said, yeah, we were just talking about him because he wasn't in. And I said, well, he's in heaven, and they really looked shocked. And I said, he's not in heaven because he was a pastor, and he's not in heaven because he was a good person. He's in heaven because Jesus took his sins and forgave him, and he's in heaven. And I just wanted to share that with you. You know the church that's right up the street. Come visit, you know? And then I just left a bunch of tracks. They were so nice. There were tears in some of their eyes, but they listened. So even after David gone to heaven, God was still working through him. And um, got our things back to the church. I want you to know that our lives were full of joy in the ministry that God gave us. And it was a delight to be able to serve God that way. Whatever we do serving God should be a joy and a delight. One of the things that helped me when Dave went to heaven was that I knew I could still serve him. I still have health. I still have energy. I still have a passion to serve God. And that was a blessing. And um, it's funny, but God desires us to be prepared for trials that we aren't prepared for. In other words, he wants us to have learned some of the lessons of the truth of God's word that will make it easier for us when we go through those trials. The trial is not the time for you to be asking yourself, is God really good? How could God be good? Look at this. Look how I know you have some people that are really suffering. Long trials. Some of you probably have long trials, have had long trials, have long trials that I don't even know about. God knows what he's doing. God allows it. The curse of sin is the enemy, isn't it? That's when disease comes. That's where death comes. But Christ has conquered that in one time. One day, that will be done. I will see David again one day. First is Jesus Christ. But yes, I will, have, I will rejoice in seeing Dave again someday in heaven, but I know right now he's having the best time. And I often say to Brian, I wish I could just have a little peep into heaven, which we can, faith by sight. But um, some of the great truths that helped me was I've said it how many times God is always good, knowing that. Psalm 100, verse 5 For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, his truth endureth forever to all generations. We don't have to question that. God is always faithful. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, of no temptation, that word also applies to trial taken you. But such as is common to men. I'm not unique. I'm not unique. The trials we go through, others are going through that trial too. 
And God won't allow us to be tempted or tested above what we're able, but will with the tempting, the temptation or the testing, will make a way to escape. Trust God, pray, read his word, suggestion, start a topic notebook, loose leaf binder, and get some topics you really want to learn about. I don't know your heart. Maybe every single one of you believes that God is always good. You've never had doubts. I know people. I, I, I know some people that have, that have gone through some trials that really aren't, aren't sure about that. And if you're not sure about that, look up all the verses. Google all the verses and then choose your favorite on God is good. Make sure you know that, that you never question it. God is faithful. Is God going to be faithful to me? What's going to happen? What am I going to do? Know that God is faithful. Google all the verses on faithfulness and memorize, 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 memorize the ones that you need to know. Whatever you're interested in, whatever you need help in. Praying with open hands. This is something that I used to talk about in the Bible studies. It's good to bring our requests. God says, bring your request to him. So ask him. I asked for life for my husband. I asked for that miracle that the doctor said. But I finished with God. I want just, I mean, it's just silly. Maybe I read it some, I have no idea. I've said it, taught it so long, you know, wherever it comes from. But it's just the idea of allowing God to answer our prayers. Asking, yes, ask. Yes, pour your heart out to God, but allow God to give his perfect will for our life, and God will always make that provision. The importance of a church family. Oh, yes, don't let your trial keep you away from church. Don't isolate. Be involved in church. If you go and you cry, I don't like to cry. I'm not a crier. I love joy. And this last month has been pretty heavy where I, I've just cried. I mean, I've sat and I sit in the front and I've cried whole services where the pastor has to look down on me. It's just okay, that's Betsy. Um, but I could not go. Is that tempting if in the morning I feel really sad and I'm crying? It's very tempting. I don't like to have people looking at me and saying, you know, but what they do is they come. They put their arms around me, they hug me, and they tell me I'm praying for you, that's it. And it's not, I'm not unique, I'm not the only person that cries. Don't stay home when you're having trials and hard times. Um, just ask God to help you and continue to, continue to get better. A church family is so important. Um, have I endured easily these past 19 months? At times, yes. My heart has been very joyful and full of God's presence and contentments. I was so thankful that tears and prayers, tears and crying were nowhere to be found. But other times I've been suddenly overwhelmed with tears and sadness and crying and changes from the life that I knew and loved. My God never less, but yes, I struggled many times. God, son, John 15, 1 to 2. I am the true vine, and my father is the husband. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. 
and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring more fruit. There was a pruning of David from my life to heaven, and through this, God is bringing more fruit. My dependence for who I am now isn't on Dave's wife, Dave's my husband. Dave took care of me tremendously. I was a spoiled wife, like probably many of you, and I miss him so much. But yet God has become my husband. The Bible talks about that. And he's my comforter, and he works with me. So just real quick, because I did run over, I'm sorry. I went off the paper. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 to 5. You love 2 Corinthians 1, the comfort. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, who comforted us in all our tribulation and trials. Why? That we may be able to comfort those that are in any trouble by the comfort whereby we ourselves are comforted of God. Why does God bring us trials? One of the reasons he comforts us so that we take that comfort we've received and now we give it to those whose hearts are hurting. And we love on them. And if they say things that you think, ooh, why is a Christian saying that? You love them. That's not the time to be getting on them. You just love them and you pray for them and encourage them to come and, and do so many kind things for them. The old expression goes, time waits for no man or no woman. The race that we're in is so important. How we run in perseverance, endurance, patience, keeping on no matter what, doing right, seeking to put off things that hinder you and put on attributes that make you a blessing to others. Pray, God, make me a blessing. That's my prayer. God, make me a blessing to others. Help me to reflect Christ. Seek to be that overcomer that can make a difference in your church, in your family, in your marriage, everywhere you go. Live with the sight of heaven in view. Finish your race well. Win that prize. There's a prize. Let's just close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for the time that we've had tonight. I so thank you for the attention of the ladies. And God, I pray for each one. Um, I'm sure there's trials here people are going through, and Lord, I just pray that you'll meet the needs of their heart. You'll help them to trust you. You'll work everything out for your perfect will. You'll, you'll have mercy, encouragement, that the ladies here will rally around others that are going through trials and just be a comfort to them, be a help to them. I'm sure that they are. Thank you for your word. Without your word, we'd have nothing to say. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who lives within us and gives us victory. God, I pray that you give all the ladies a safe trip back and bring us back tomorrow for a good day of getting together. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.